We are back with chapter nine of the Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. And today we talk about the four virtues, the best toolbox of reference material and applicable things that you can use today, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. But this one is a rock star. This one is the one I would save. This is the one I would come back to. I'm going to listen to this one again. And I even talk about in the episode how I wrote these things down. They are really, really powerful reminders. And also, I'm just going to say this whipped cream and shit and the rest will make sense in the podcast so let's get into the show are you ready to ethically scale your business good because this is the mind of george podcast where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business. Each Monday and Friday, I'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home, giving you the tools to extract, honor, and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers. Sound fabulous? Cool. Let's get into the episode. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Mind of George Show, and this one is chapter nine of our breakdown of the talent code by Daniel Coyle. So as always, as a reminder in this series, whether you're listening on the podcast, you're listening to it 10 years later, either way, if you haven't listened to the previous eight, make sure you go listen to those ones as well if they serve and support you. But I believe this entire book serves and supports every single human being that has any interest in doing anything on their own and not working a nine to five. And so I would highly, highly, highly Uh, recommend go connecting there and reading or listening to all of those. And of course, there's one more coming after this one, and that will wrap the series on this incredible book, which has been a very, very, very timely, like surgical precise message for me as well. And it's gotten me really, really excited rereading it, uh, rereading the notes, working on Ashley and breaking this down. And everybody give uh, your big round of applause to my incredible CEO, Ashley DeLuca, who is the queen behind the scenes that makes all these things sound good because she outlines them and breaks them down. And so all hell, Ashley. So I'm really excited to be recording today uh, because I've been away from home for six days because I got physically stuck in Texas and couldn't get home. But I will tell that story on an entirely new podcast because there are lots of lessons learned. And so I want to dive right into this one today, and I love this one because this one is about the four virtues, and I love how he breaks these down. I love how they're explained, and I love how we can weave them in and out of examples, both in my business and most likely with you listening. I want you to listen through the lens of your business, right? whether that's a product, coaching, service, anywhere where you interface with customers, this is all applicable. So whether you have a desire to be a coach or not, in order to be a great leader, in your business, in your team, or even just in your family, mastering the art of teaching is an invaluable skill that you can learn to master. So today, I'm going to be using teaching and coaching interchangeably. So if you're not a coach, don't worry. This this isn't coach. If you're not a teacher, don't worry, um, how, however you label yourself. But if you help anybody achieve anything, whether it's through products, services, your words, or anything, and you are helping them Uh, solve a problem, achieve anything, move forward in their life, then you are a teacher or a coach. Just you don't have to label it that way. So listen through the lens, irregardless of how I interchange them. So in the book, Daniel, he describes coaching as a long, intimate conversation. It's a series of signals and responses that move toward a shared goal, which by the way, I absolutely love that. 
In order to do this effectively and efficiently, there is a combination of several different qualities that the best coaches, teachers, and leaders have. And they were summarized in his book. He calls them the four virtues. So I'm going to break down the four virtues and explain what they are. So the four virtues are the first one is the matrix. The second one is perceptiveness. The third one is the GPS reflex. And then the fourth one is theatrical honesty, which I love Ashley's notes in there because she basically is poking fun at me. So I can't wait to get to that part with you. So on the first virtue, the matrix, this is your killer application as he describes it. So this is what helps you differentiate yourself from the rest. So in this book, he specifically references it as your depth of knowledge towards a specific subject. So for me, I would like to feel like my matrix or my killer application would be customer journey. Also would potentially be um, mindset coaching and um, maybe facilitating events. Now I am far from the best in the world at it. And I'll get to that more in this episode. Um, and how that applies. But I would say that that is my matrix. So think about that for yourself as we're going through this. This isn't something that you're born with. It's something grown over time. Grown, i.e. you have to do something to grow it. It requires effort. It's grown over time through a combination of the two principles that we've talked about already in the previous chapters, which is ignition and deep practice. So it's the repetition of the same things. It's continuing to take the swings consistently on those same things that deepen your mastery of your killer matrix. And so eventually, when you keep swinging, you're going to start hitting base hits after practicing for a couple hours, then maybe home runs after 10 times that. And so when you think about LeBron James in sports, he takes on average 19.7 shots per game, and he's played over 1,400 games. And that's in the NBA. That doesn't count his college career or the day he started playing basketball and all those years leading up to the 18 years and then all the hours of practice. That is just the calculated numbers of the games. And when you listen or if you've ever listened or read the book uh, Relentless by Tim Grover, he talks about this with Kobe Bryant as well uh, and references Michael Jordan. And when you start to understand the level of reps that are required to be at that level, it gets really, really exciting for me because that means the more I practice, the better I'm going to get and all of that's achievable. And so you do the math. It's the deep practice, by the way, another incredible book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Um, Deep practice that allows for you to truly master, to create the well of knowledge your students or customers will need to pull from. And it's also a life experience too, considering all the things that you end up going through in your life. And then for me personally, I, I literally look back at my life and, and, and I'm, I'm not ashamed, but I've grown so much that I look back at how I used to tell my story seven years ago. And I told it from this place of being a victim and how hard it was. And now I look back and I have nothing but gratitude for my life. I have nothing but gratitude for literally everything I ever experienced, everything I ever talked about. And that gratitude has allowed me to use those experiences in my life as a vessel to also connect with people and relate to people and let them know that I understand. And I've also made it out of some of those things and I might be able to lend a hand. And so that application applied to the amount of reps that you put in basically makes you, I don't know another word, (laughs) 
than untouchable because you're not just regurgitating from a book. You're not just respitting knowledge. Like you have the knowledge and also the experience and the know-how on how to navigate. And all of that has given me a deep well of knowledge for anybody who comes into my world. And I think that that's amazing. So that is the first virtue. The second virtue is perceptiveness. And this is about, in simple terms, figuring out your student or customer and customizing the treatment or does your prescription fit them, right? And so this is what I talk about all the time with the four paths to the peer, but also understanding that when we are helping people, when we have customers, no matter whether we have one product, hundreds of products, everybody is a little bit unique. And in order to be effective, both in life and business, for lack of better terms, you have to understand your audience. And so football coach Tom Martinez, which by the way, I have no idea who that is because I'm not a sports guy, but he has a really good metaphor for the process of perceptiveness. His metaphor is this. The way I look at it, everyone's life is a bowl of whipped cream and shit. And my job is to even it out. If a kid's got a lot of shit in his life, I'm going to start in some whipped cream and vice versa. (laughs) That has to be one of the best metaphors for coaching. that I have ever heard in my life, especially when you think about in marketing, how we always talk about how 99% of people are moving away from pain. You're really just adding whipped cream to their bowl of shit. Um, uh, I'm going to be chuckling about that all day. Becoming an effective teacher is about having the curiosity of an investigative reporter about your student, client, customer, whoever. This also links with business and your ideal client. It's not about knowing all the facts, I air quoted that for those listening, but being able to pay attention to them on a micro level. What is their reaction to your message and are they absorbing it? It's about checking in with them to see what they don't know so you can fill in their knowledge gaps. Hence, from your deep knowledge well that you get through repetition and practice in your spark and deep ignition of that thing that is your matrix. This is why I prefer Zoom camera for calls. I always want to see people's faces. This gives me a really good indicator of how my message is being received or not. I literally watch the screen and I'm not joking. I'm recording this now for those watching. And in front of me is a 90 inch television. So when I put Zoom up there, every single person on a Zoom call is the size of a laptop screen for me. Um, How interactive are they? I literally look to see if people are paying attention. If I say certain things, I look to see if they close their eyes, if they look away, if they take a big breath. I look to see when I'm speaking, if they're smiling or if they're leaning in or out of the camera. I look at how engaged they are, if they're using the chat. And then I literally look at that so that if needed, I can change my energy or I can pattern interrupt or I can ask a question so that I make sure that I understand that my message is only as effective as the person's ability receiving it to understand it. And so it doesn't help them if I'm speaking French and they've never taken a French class. And so this comes from being perceptive. These are all the things that great teachers really dive into and understand how to navigate and adjust when teaching. The best speakers in the world as well, the best communicators. I mean, you Everyone listening to this or watching this has had an experience where you've been to a restaurant and just had the most incredible either host, hostess, uh, wait staff, manager, where they're just so good at communicating and navigating the energy in the room. And it's just this pleasurable, pleasurable thing to be a part of. 
And so these are the things that people use, perceptiveness being a big one, when you can understand that you have a message, you have something to share, but you also have to make sure that the people getting the message can understand it. And that's where this virtue really, really comes in. It's not just about standing on the podium. It's about running the room in space, knowing your message is actually landing for them. So that is the second virtue, which is perceptiveness. The third virtue, his name, is called the GPS reflex. And when you plug in an address into your GPS, have you ever heard it say, please, could you swing a right in the next 500 feet? I would love it if I could like tone it to like an angry New York accent to yell at me. I grew up driving around Boston and New York. Or do you think you could maybe turn left at the light? Even with the fun new voices, all the directions are direct to the point and have more of a dictational tone to it, right? It's very like, take a right here, go left here. Most master coaches deliver their information to their students in short, vivid, high-definition bursts. They speak in short imperatives. Now do X with the most common construction of you will implied just like a GPS. And just to break the fourth wall here uh, in anything that I get coaching on and I get feedback on and I work on more than anything, it is my ability to break things down into vivid high definition bursts. And so for those of you here, I apologize. I hope you have noticed an improvement over the years as I work hard to get better at it. But in the talent code, in the book, they break down a conversation of how this is done. But in short, It is about being concise, locating mistakes, and giving solutions with patience. You pick up small successes and don't make them stopping points. They become stepping stones into what they can accomplish next. So when you think about this in the lens of serving your clients, it isn't just about reaching a finish line. It's about pushing them to get to the next level or getting to the next step or getting one step closer to that finish line and beyond. And this is literally what it's like... uh, when I work with people, like I, no matter how much I slice it, no matter how much I try, I used to try to convince myself that I wasn't a coach, that I didn't want to be a coach, that I didn't want to coach people. And I feel like I was just lying to myself in the mirror because there's nothing in the world that makes me happy, happier, uh, barring like my children and a few core memories in my life than coaching people. And I just wanted to clear that up to be an integrity. And, uh, I truly, truly love it. There's nothing in the world that lights me up more. And in doing it, and I've been doing it since 2002, which brings me on 21 years of coaching adults, starting as a Marine and then getting into actually coaching entrepreneurs. Um, I used to think I knew what it was. And now at this point in my life, I can tell you that the more I know and the better that people tell me I am at it, the less I think I know. And the more excited I get to learn. Um, But one of the biggest things that I've learned is that coaching is a relationship. It's not a transaction and it's not a playbook or a roadmap that is followed step by step. Coaching is fluid and it's a relationship where you agree on a container or a goal as a bumper, for lack of better terms, like at the bowling alley. But once that goal is set, it is not a linear path to get there. There are many leaps forward, many leaps backwards, and many adjustments made on many levels. Sometimes the emotional level, sometimes the business level, sometimes the habit level, sometimes the mindset level, sometimes the relationship level. And you can come in and out of them abruptly. You can spend periods in them. You can have lows and you can have ups. But if you increase the window of measurement, 
you can see how much progress is being made. But if you've ever seen those images of what success looks like, where they draw the straight line of the arrows, and then there's the squiggly lines, 8 million pieces away, and then you get there, that's what coaching is like. And that's the only way for it to be effective, because if it's not, you're just giving somebody something to memorize to try to do, which never changes the behavior. It doesn't empower them to fish. It doesn't hand them a fishing pole and say, hey, look, here's how you use it. It just feeds them over and over on memorization and habits that most of the time don't stick. They get frustrated and they're constantly feeling like it's never enough. And this is one of my favorite, favorite parts. And, and it was also the hardest lesson for me to learn uh, because there were many parts of me that I loved coaching, uh, but the level of me required, I hid. And I wasn't willing to jump that deep in the water. And so my coaching wasn't effective because it would feel like I was telling them what to do rather than being what I taught or being in it with them. And then through years of feedback and many, many iterations of feedback, it's just one of those things that I just absolutely love. And that's why I love coaching so much because coaching exposes the weakest parts of me every day and gives me a roadmap to work on them. And it just makes my heart happy. And I grow and learn just as much as I help other people. And so for me, that GPS reflex is something I'm working on and it's something I'm here, but I, I just felt called to share that for whatever reason. But now let's get into the fourth virtue before I break down into tears. Um, and the fourth virtue, and there's nothing wrong with breaking down into tears, but I want to finish the podcast for you. But the fourth virtue is theatrical honesty. And this is the one that I said earlier uh, that you're going to laugh at a little bit, most likely, because uh, Ashley put notes in here for me. Uh, but <laughs> if you come to one of my events, you will see this virtue happen to you. Um, it's the process of inflection, right? Raising and lowering your voice, uh, asking questions, trying to figure out how the room is reacting, trying to get a read or a barometer read on the room. Uh, it's a combination of yelling and jumping on tables sometime if you're watching me and then dropping down on the floor and really, really hearing somebody and feeling that that moves me to tears because I'm so proud of them. It's about being easygoing and fun and also about being direct and honest, right? It's about really, really utilizing the entire environment and that other virtue of perceptiveness to figure out the best way to ensure that the message is received. And so, you know, sometimes it's masculine energy, sometimes it's feminine energy. But for me, theatrical honesty is just being my raw, authentic self in whatever room I'm in. And that means trusting my GPS reflux in my own body above, which is the internal part of these virtues. And that means when I'm standing in front of an audience, and I feel like I want to cry and every part of my brain is like, don't, 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 don't. I'm like, yep, do it. And I cry. And, and, and that theatrical honesty, is that's what it looks like for me. But what it allows me to do, it allows me to meet people where they are. It allows me to understand what's happening in the room. And it allows me when I'm on a coaching call to know the message because I have the message. I have the playbook. I know the route to get there but I can't force feed it into a, a container or into somebody who isn't ready. And so I can understand that energy and I can adjust the pace to really, really ensure that they're in a place to hear it and they're protecting that progress and we're empowering them in the process to get there. And it may seem like drama and character. And a lot of people thought it was for me until they realized like, this is just who I am. 
Uh, but in the book, he talks about this a ton. The master coaches use it as a way to dig deeper and connect with moral honesty. When you connect on a moral level, this allows for you to really truly create a connection because human beings require safety to have a connection. And when you connect as your authentic self, like at the deepest, deepest level of who you are and being proud of who you are and open to everybody else, it creates a connection. And this is why I teach core values and scripture statements. And this is like the core part of what I do when people come into my office to design and to do their intensives and customer journey in their Bible to really create their movement, which is what scales their company, is getting everybody to that level in the core of the company together, which is what permeates into the customers and creates that at the level in every business that people crave, which is why so many people benefit when we do customer journey and these things, but also sometimes can't even understand the value created in their own life because it's not necessarily a KPI that they'd see on paper, but they feel it and they celebrate these wins that came from meeting people at this deepest level by being willing to use what Daniel Quo calls the theatrical honesty. And so it's about finding those things in which someone can anchor into belief that they also hold. So an example for us is like take relationship speed algorithms, right? It's something someone could anchor in as a core belief that they can relate to. Even deeper, the core belief I'm instilling is to simply value people over everything else, right? You started your business to help people, so value the relationships you have with people. And that is the the core of relationship speed algorithms for me. And there's many, many levels of meaning now, the one with yourself, the, the things that are there. But if you don't value people, you probably aren't a fit to listen to this podcast. You aren't a fit for coaching for me, right? You're probably not a good fit for my event or you are. And then being in the room, everybody would love bomb you into caring about your customers. And then you'll quickly realize that the only way to achieve the financial goals that you want is to care about the people that are paying your paychecks. So if you're not there yet, we should probably get you there. But all of these virtues come with practice and truly make a difference in how we're able to create an impact in this world. And so whether you're just starting off on like what that matrix might be for you or you're 30 years in the game, each of these virtues are tools we get to play with in order to become better teachers to those around us. And so for me, my suggestion for you is to pick one virtue you want to focus on and simply get to work practicing. Regardless of the one you pick, you'll find ways to do it as all of them as continue to sharpen your blade in your practice. Or maybe you're one that like, I love all of these and you want to write them down. I know for me personally, after I was reviewing the notes of this and we were going through the show notes, I rewrote them down and I put them in my phone, in my SOS, uh, and also in my place where I read every day of like my reminders for myself because these are just incredibly powerful principles and reminders to come back to, right? Understanding the matrix, right? Today, am I doing anything to sharpen that blade for lack of better terms, right? Am I putting in the reps on that thing that I'm so passionate about that is like, for lack of better terms, my ticket to the results that I want, right? And then the second virtue, perceptiveness, right? Being aware of this before every meeting, going into a Zoom call, going into a DM conversation, uh, having a conversation with one of your employees, right? How perceptive am I being? Am I ensuring that I'm not just standing at the podium, but I'm reading the room and navigating it? And then I'm just going to read this metaphor one more time because it just makes me so happy under perceptiveness. The way I look at it, everyone's life is a bowl of whipped cream and shit. And my job is to even it out. If a kid's got a lot of shit in his life, I'm going to stir in some whipped cream and vice versa, right? So practicing perceptiveness, right? 
And then that third virtue, that GPS reflex, understanding that the best communicators, master coaches, teachers, whoever, they communicate in these short, vivid, high-definition bursts with clarity that empower people, that they demand this, like, I will statement, but it's this chunkable bite down. It's really, really understanding your customer and being willing to be in it with them. And, and, and I tell my personal clients this, uh, all my one-on-one clients, anybody who works with me, uh, I say this term that I call the burden of leadership, and it's something I heard in the Marine Corps, and I don't remember what the definition was when I heard it. But for me, the way that I define the burden of leadership and burden being a good thing, the weight that we carry, is being able to see somebody's next 30 steps, but knowing what one or three to give them while holding the rest so that they can chunk it down, bite it down, get into progress and get there, right? And so for me, that's kind of how the GPS reflex um, works for me. And then the fourth one is theatrical honesty. And for me, this is like, hey, am I being my real self? Am I truly expressing my feelings? Am I being who I say I want to be, not trying to be who somebody else wants me to be? Oh, I'm sad right now. I should share that I'm sad, right? It's, it's for me at the core level, the theatrical honesty part for me is just knowing that who I am at the core all the way is really the only way to create that deep moral connection because it's not an act. It's not something I'm saying. This is someone that I'm trying to be every day. This is who I want to be. This is how I want to live in the things that I teach and hold myself accountable to. And so checking in with your own barometer on making sure that you're living in your truth and you're speaking it. And so those are some of the ways in which I apply these. But like I said, either way, these are all important. And no matter whether you which way you slice this, you listen to this once, in five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, I guarantee you that these will still be applicable and they should be used every single day to achieve the goals that you want to achieve. And so that's where I'm going to end today's because we got one more to do after this one. And that wraps this incredible book, this incredible series that I've just loved doing and love the reminders on. And so that is chapter nine of the Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. So just as a reminder, if you haven't listened to the other ones, go listen to them and then get ready for the next one. But most importantly, it only works if you work it. And so listening to it is just about 10% of the game. 10% more is writing it down and getting clear on how you're going to do it. And then the other 80% is actually doing it every day and doing it long enough for you to see a result. And that's typically probably 10 times longer than you think you should do it. And that's where the reps come in. So that's where I'm going to leave you today. Remember that relationships will always be algorithms and which blah, blah, blah. And no matter which way I slice it, I'll say that again. Remember that relationships will always beat algorithms. And no matter which way I slice it, I'm not going to probably ever get rid of the outro. So I will either see you in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. But either way, here's the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. 
We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club, fill out the application, and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.